grab your Bibles and turn there, you can. Uh, let's welcome Brother Aaron as he comes. Give him another hand. I went long there with that introduction. Don't worry, I only have one point on my sermon here, so hopefully I'll be shorter. <laughs> I forgot to say that when I went to Normandy, uh, I thought, what can I get as a souvenir to capture that moment, that feeling? I went there a couple times, but I, I found this. This is a piece of a parachute that was used on D-Day to bring a veteran to the ground. And so I just thought that was spectacular. And I, had, I was like, i got to get that. So as Pastor said, we're going to speak about from the passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 20. And the title of the sermon is, For Goodness Sake. And we have the phrase, uh, God is good all the time. God is good. And we say that. And in life, as we look at the world, there are moments we're like, God, you're supposed to be good, you know? Where are you? And making that transition from that, that, what is it, 14, 18 inches from that thought in your brain to that feeling in your heart, God is good. There, there can be a gap that sometimes is critical to a number of people in following God. There's a, a lady a poet, she said, people don't remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. And so as Christians, sometimes we think, God, you know, why is this happening or what? fill in the blank? And so we have that struggle. But there, is, there are a number of verses in the Bible that talk about God being good. In fact, it says God is good. And Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says the Lord is good. Psalms 107 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. Even Jesus said Mark chapter 10 verse 18. No one is good but God alone. And Jesus talked further about our human faults, if you want, for fairness. We all want equality, you know, if, if, if things are fair, we're pretty good. If you got it, I got it, okay, we're good. And, you know, uh, even uh, we use the word good, you know, this hamburger is good, or in, in, in football, field goal, it's good. You know, it's, it's, it's a likability-ness. It's, it's fair, equal. But Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 20, Verses 1 through 16, it's a parable. And it's long, 16 verses. But if you would focus with me these uh, next minute or so, these, these verses can help you in your view of God and seeing that He is good. Let's read it. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyards. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, and there were three in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. Multiple times, Jesus is finding people saying, come, work for me. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You go also and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers, 
pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired, and go on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those who were hired first, they expected to receive more. They expected. It's fair. I should receive more. I worked all day. But each one of them received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Yeah, this, like I said, this is humanity. We all have these feelings. It's all and nothing's new under the sun. We want what's fair. We want what's right. We want a good life. We want food in our belly, roof over our head, good things for our kids. We pray, Lord, help us with this. And then when something or someone stands up in the canoe and things become unsteady, the first thing we do, God, why? What's happening? Where are you? You ain't doing what you should be doing. Fill in the blank. You know what I'm talking about. For myself, I was in Egypt. And in December of 2014, there was a preacher. He was, we were in a team meeting. Members, 70 team members were learning how to be, uh, be the church, training these new missionaries. I was in a meeting, and the, the preacher, I don't know if he was a bad preacher or what, but just I remember I had my, hand, my hands my head in my hands, and I was just like this, and I heard, like I'm talking to you, I didn't hear it audibly, but I heard, Aaron, I release you from your call. If you've been around the church a little bit, that that call to being a pastor or a preacher, that's kind of important. But I, I heard those words. That's all I heard, just like that, Aaron, I release you from your call, and it was silence. Wow. My takeaway from that was I could serve God out of love. Rather than I'm called here, I have a duty here, I'm stuck here. Ah, okay. I love you, Lord. I'll serve you out of love. I want to be here and I want to talk to people about Jesus. And I wasn't handcuffed, if you will, if you, want to, if you can see that. Well, the Lord knew when he said that, he knew that about two weeks later, I would have a nervous breakdown. I collapsed. I wanted, my, my brain was saying, Aaron, you, you do need to get out of here. And I just, I wasn't able to get out of there in that Muslim context. And my brain was like, well, Aaron, if you won't leave, your will won't quit. Your brain is going to break and you're going to get out of here one way or the other. And that's what I think happened. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. So I was... Uh, medically evacuated. I came here to Akron. I lived in Akron. In December of 14, I arrived. And I went to Emerge Ministries. Thank you for that ministry. For six months, 
I was here. I would wake up. We would take our kids to school. I'd go meet with our counselor. Go home. Take a nap. Pick up the kids. Go home. Go to sleep. That's all I could do. It wasn't. That was the limit. And slowly but surely, we put our lives back together. And in all that, there was the question, God, where were you? (laughs) What happened, you know? And it even reached a point where you, you know what the phrase, let's go Brandon, means. There was a time I said, let's go Jesus. I, I even thought that. I was in a church service. It was at, I was at a conference, actually. And I thought that. Let's go, Jesus. And I thought, Aaron, you're stupid. If you think it, he can read your brain and your thoughts. Just say it. And so I said it. Well, in that conference was a, was a, was a, a minister. He, he had lost even two children. He was talking about that. And the process the Lord walked him through. And I went forward and I prayed with that minister. And I told him what I said. And he was very kind. And the Lord put him at that critical juncture. It was, I was, I was, I gave up. You say that, you, you, you're done. And I, it's like, it, I told him and he walked with me and here I am. So for six hours a week, for six months, we put our lives back together. And then in March of 15, the psychologist, Dr. Litchie, he's like, okay, I'm going to sign the form. You're good to go back into missions. <laughs> it wasn't like that, but it felt like that. I was just like, what does that mean? The last thing I heard from God is I released you from your call. What am I going to do? I asked that question in that church service, March of 96. Lord, what am I going to do? I just had a habitual, what am I going to do moment. It's like, God, you know, this was painful. Where, what can I do? And in those moments, we need to remember, in those difficult moments, we need to remember God is still with us. It doesn't feel like that. My, my, my counselor said, someday, Aaron, you won't remember the pain. And I wanted to punch him. <laughs> I was just like, what are you talking about? But through the process, and even to this moment today, there's probably some scars, but there's not the pain of that moment. And I had to arrive at a point in my life where you're at a, I said, Aaron, you're at a fork in the road. You can continue to be a missionary, continue to serve the Lord. Or you can just give up. And I said, well, what has changed? I have changed. God didn't change. I went through those circumstances. And I thought, I thought to myself, Aaron, God is still the same before that episode as he is after that episode. And I had to find that peace in my heart. I had to find that assurance that God is the same. That it was me that has changed. We humans have free choice. 
through a series of circumstances in our experience in Cairo, some not, some, it was difficult. Cairo was not a good fit for us. That's what Dr. Litchie said to say. Just Cairo was not a good fit for us. And as a result of sticking through that, I broke. Of not giving up, not quitting. Maybe I should have left Cairo, but I was like, I can't. I'm not going to leave. And so I, my brain broke. But I made those choices. And we humans have choices in life. You can, you can sin and screw up your life. Likewise, you can also choose to follow God with all of your heart. It's a choice. I love my wife because I love her. I'm not a robot that is programmed to love her. And we humans, we often get in a situation, we think, God, this is my circumstance. Why didn't you program it differently? Where were you that led to this, to led to that, and here I am? We, we just live life. There's an old uh, Middle Eastern folklore story that I, I once heard. A man had a horse. It ran away. Neighbor came over, said, oh, what bad luck. You lost your horse. The horse came back a couple days later, and I guess it was a stallion. He ran out, got some other horses, brought them back. They came back with other horses. Neighbor came over. Wow, what good luck. You got more horses now. The guy's son starts training the horses, gets kicked in the leg. Leg is broken. Neighbor comes over. Wow, what bad luck. Son's leg's broken. Gang of thieves come walking through, looking for people to press into their gang. They see the son's got a broken leg. Oh, we'll leave him. Neighbor said, ah, what good luck. Just in those circumstances, in that simple story, is it good or bad luck, folks? I mean, (laughs) what is it? Here's the thing. If you let your circumstance guide your view of God, that's dangerous. If you let your circumstances, which change, guide your view of God, that is dangerous. There needs to be a foundation, a biblical foundation, an understanding in your heart of who God is. And that is your guiding, your guidance. There are three attributes. I want to leave you with three attributes of God. And when you're in a difficult circumstance, think of these three things. Number one, God is love. It says that in the Bible. You look at the world and you think, wow, well, okay, God, it is. Even the John 3.16, for God so loved the world. The fuel that he sent Jesus, the reason he sent Jesus is love. God is love. Number two, God is light. He's not darkness. He's light. Lastly, God is good. We read that in Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. We have all these things that should guide us when we face our difficult circumstances. But we get sidetracked. And so, I ask you, for goodness sake, follow after the Lord. That phrase, for goodness sake, came in 1610 was when it was first 
coined. It says, as you tr- it means as you trust in the divine goodness. We need to trust in his divine goodness and not lose our focus on the circumstances that we face. I don't know why bad things happen to us. I don't. We're human beings. We live life. People make decisions. It has impacts. Uh, It's just the way it is. But I ask that you would maintain that, that gap, that 14, 18-inch gap between your heart and your mind. Read the Bible, study the Word, and let it take root in your heart. And never lose that God is good. I, there were moments I could not sing that song, God is good. Oh, I couldn't sing that song, but now I can. I see through the circumstances of what happened. Even I, I recently heard a missionary speak. He was shot in Africa. He now says, I am thankful for being shot. (laughs) Because that has opened so many doors. He's met the president of the country where he serves. The the, the president was, he, he said, I'm shocked you came back. But because he came back and because he was shot, so many doors have been opened in ministry. And for myself, I am who I am because of the circumstance I went through. I am a changed person, for sure. Like I said, I got scars. There's a psychological limp. I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm saying, please don't lose focus of following after the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to get to heaven. And you'll only get there by trusting him, having that faith in him. You do need to put yourself in that trust-fall position. And just say, God, catch me. And in moments when it feels like he's not catching you, just say, God, I'm going to keep trusting you. I don't know what else to say. Follow after him. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray a simple prayer.